1: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world, by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, host of The Reasonable Voice's talk news radio program. And my Reasonable Voice guest today is director Olivia Martin McGuire. Olivia Martin McGuire is an Australian documentary photographer based in Shanghai, and she is actually calling us today from Hong Kong, where it is 1 a.m. So we thank you very much for that, Olivia, for joining us. How are you this middle of the night for you? <laughs> oh,
0: it's great. It's great
1: to be here. Yeah, I'm good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're with us. Olivia Martin McGuire's work has been widely exhibited, shoots for various international publications and companies, most specifically in China, the Australian Financial Review, and she is part of the popular Instagram group of documentary photo and video storytellers called Eyes on China Project. Olivia has directed two short films in her early career and is now moving her storytelling skills into the filmmaking field. We're here to talk today about her soon to premiere on November 9th, by the way. It's US premiere November 9th at 745 PM Eastern Time as part of Doc NYC. It's directed by and produced by Olivia Martin McGuire produced by Rebecca Berry and Madeline Hetherton, I believe, and features documentary subject Alan Shi, the owner of, and I'll try to get this correct, the owner of the Jihao Group. Is that close, um, Olivia? That's right, that's right. Uh, His name is Alan Shi, and the the,
0: um, company is the Jihao Group.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I have actually a Chinese-American wife, who tried to drill me a couple of days ago. <laughs> but I told her, I said, you, you would correct me. Okay. Well, this is this is a marvelous opportunity. I must admit, China Love to Me, Olivia's film, about to make its U.S. premiere, is a beautiful experience. It, from, uh, I, I, it covers everything from pr- traditional commitment to arranged marriages with a total commitment to donating more and asking less putting others first, to underwater pre-wedding photos and the elderly reaffirming their vows. And, but I think while it follows the, the storyline of, uh, I believe the lead character is Viona and, and the conflict with her traditional mother, and of course Alan Shu, you say that's how to pronounce his last name?
0: Alan Shue.
1: Alan Shue, globalizing the happiness industry. you got to love that. I think the real story of China love is, love is an eternal universal. That's my first question. What do you think about that, Olivia?
0: Absolutely. It's something that um, bonds us all. Uh, We all are on that pursuit. It's just that love in China, um, you know, China sort of comes from communism. So... Love is also about filial piety, it's also about the community, just as much as the individual. So The the weddings are very much about honouring the family. Um, Who you choose is not really always just your choice, Mm. it's the choice um, that's shared. Um, And the pre-wedding photo, which is what the the window of the film, Mm -hmm. um, is something that's quite unique to Asia and specifically China, which are photos you get before the wedding. So up to a year before the wedding, you get sort of like these fantasy wedding photos.
1: Now tell us why, why all of a sudden this rush, um, I think it's a re- relatively recent uh, development, why the need or the desire for getting wedding pictures a year before you get married?
0: Yeah, well, I think because it's a bit of a mixture of uh, things. One is because um, the actual wedding day is normally about uh, sort of honouring the parents. It's actually not that much about the individual. You have to sort of go through various ceremonies where you thank your parents, your grandparents in one home and then you go to another home. and um, So there's not a lot of time to get those photos. And the photos... Um, you know, if you if you go back to the Cultural Revolution, this is the sort of uh, there was no such thing as wedding photos. Everyone had to get these black and white passport-sized photos, really just as proof of the wedding. And there was it was encouraged not to smile. You had to wear the same male style outfit. There was no dressing up. Um, so I think the pre-wedding photo industry now is just. So big and so booming because of um, that that denial that happened. Uh, now you can be anything that you want to be. You can dress up as any fantasy character. You can display wealth. You can you know you can do anything. Mm-hmm. With photos.
1: And I have to say I I loved your film China Love. I'm so grateful to get a, a pre interview copy of it because it was so incredibly moving. We take so much for granted in America, um, and certainly weddings are a big deal for us, but the need, the craving to have pre-wedding photos comes really after, as you mentioned, a cultural revolution when the expression of happiness, of intimacy was pretty prohibited. And now it's not just young Chinese citizens who are joining in and increasing energy uh, and and industry of pre-wedding photos, but it's elder couples. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, I think a lot of the pre-wedding industry is driven by the by the parents. Actually, there is a strong need for um. The parents to see the younger generation able to do a lot of the things they weren't able to do. Mm. But then there's also this growing trend across the country um, with charities uh, uh, and community groups to offer free wedding shoots for those that were married during the Cultural Revolution. So there's couples normally around 70 who get these wedding photos for the first time. And it's sort of It's it's interesting how it plays out because it becomes this sort of moment of healing, this moment of celebration, this moment of reconciliation
2: Mm.
0: with their their past. It's very moving for them and it's it's really quite wonderful to see older people dressing up like that and, and, and being in the limelight.
2: Yes.
0: We don't really see it in the West either. We don't really often see those sort of older people in that, romantic limelight um you know
1: environment yes and what i loved was how the younger generation watched their elders grandfathers grandmothers aunts and uncles how emotionally they responded to seeing their elders have an opportunity to dress up for a wedding to have wedding photos and to uh, reaffirm their vows Tell, tell us how how did that affect you as a movie maker? I mean, it's just beautiful, I think.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it's interesting having these younger people working as volunteers and running these charities. And often, you know, when we'd speak to them, they would say, we're doing the charity for the older people and we want to kind of find a way to heal this period of denial, which is not talked about very much. Mm. I mean, they don't really talk about the cultural revolution. It's sort of, you know, this is a sort of fun way of making up for it. But also the younger people would say they just love listening to their older people talk about their love and how their love grew, because most of their marriages were arranged. And the younger people say they've kind of lost their way a little bit in the, in the new world where... You know, it's it's more about the individual, and it's more about money and all these new concepts. So that's really sweet as well to mm. see the younger people. You know, they look up
1: to the elderly. Yes, and still there are some that are conflicted by trying to have, I guess, a, a foot in each world. Um, that's challenging mm. too. Yes, as you as you very much dis- display in your film China Love. I wonder, tell us some of the antidotes, some of the stories, like the, the elderly woman now finally able to not only have wedding pictures but to have a wedding dress. And she compared marriage as a partnership of chopsticks.
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think um, it's a lot more pragmatic. And I think romance is really a new concept. It's a, it's a Western concept than it is. A concept that comes from individualism. But um, what you do find is in, in this sort of communist history, that true love is really strong as well. And it's something that grows mm. through that practicality by true loyalty and um, almost perseverance, you mm. know, of just being there for one another. And there's this beautiful love that you see within the elderly couples, which is quite something. observe but it has that pragmatic nature of not giving up on each other and you know becoming really enmeshed as a pair and sort of surrendering to the other.
1: Mm. Yes and I, I remember also there was an elderly woman who was asked did you have romantic feelings when you got married and she answered without hesitation no. But they were committed to each other and have grown together, and I think the love they feel for now I, they may not call it romantic marriage, but I felt it was an amazing bond, and you can feel that in your film china love
0: yeah um, I just think romance is not quite got it's just a it's a fun concept, so I think um there's a lot of love that you know you often would sort of. You could have an arranged marriage, or you could choose a partner for for the love of your community, for the love of your family, for the love of your country, mm. which is which is um, as important to those individuals. Which is hard to believe for us, coming from an individualistic nature where we always feel like you know exactly what we need for ourselves is really a lot more important. But it, it is a bit more of a mix from these. Uh, you know from these different traditions, I think,
1: and I think you make the point that it it wasn't just the government chose a match, but a family chose a match that was uh they felt was a good thing for both families. Is that oversimplifying too much
0: No, I think that that's pretty much um correct and still common,
1: mm. Exactly, still common. But at the same time, what is the current China government doing? Do we just sort of ignore that the cultural revolution ever happened? and Or is that people like Alan coming up with private enterprise, which is also a new thing, yes? And building a billion-dollar corporation of happiness? Well, I
0: mean, I think I think the whole point of the film is sort of that you have all these different stories, but they're all a reflection. They're all sort of um, come from the story of the past, which is the immediate future, which is from the Cultural Revolution, which was really unbelievably hard. I mean, you know, Alan Schur is a hugely successful businessman, but he, was, he came from poverty. Yes. Um, and I think that really uh, there's a lot of really interesting entrepreneurs. I mean, it is The country of entrepreneurs really has Mm. the most self-made billionaires, millionaires of anywhere in the world. And Alan Sher is just, you know, someone who has that striving and that yearning um, also because of the lack of opportunities that he came from as well.
1: Not only the restrictions of poverty and that he makes it very clear how severe they were, but also the restrictions of government society culture all of that and yet he strived he had a burning desire in his gut and he also says something about poverty i I think we all of us need to recognize he says poverty is painful and i thought you know that's right and why would anyone want to live in poverty and why should any of us want to inflict poverty on any And, by the way, we should mention he's not just a self-made billionaire that came out of poverty, but he is an incredibly generous man with everyone who works with him, immense bonuses and generosity. How did you find him as you were uh, shooting the film China Love? What was your response? What was your uh, rapport? That's a
0: good question. Um, We found him sort of early on. I had heard about him because he owns 340 studios. So when I was living in Shanghai, he owned quite a few of the ones in Shanghai and we just got lucky um, tracking him down because he travels a lot, you know, he's a real jet setter, he's got his own private plane and Mm. he's got these studios across seven countries. But he was quite generous with us, Mm -hmm. sort of letting us into his company and getting an opportunity to see how the business works.
1: Yes, and when we're talking about Allen Studios, we're talking about places where uh, couples of any age, it seems now, can have wedding pictures done as much as a year before they're married and in many cases for the elderly, many, many years after they were married. How did that, I mean, it's such, yeah, tell us about that. That has to make.
0: It's not a, it's not a, um, like in the West where we want, the wedding photos to be a documentation of of a wedding. It's absolutely not that at all.
2: Exactly. These
0: photos are um, sort of like a dreamlike image that you can go to a studio with fake backdrops. You can have, I mean, a lot of people, if you're wealthy enough, you'll fly to another country like Paris or Greece and get your photos done there. It's a fantasy sort of set up where you can be anything that you want to be. You can be any character. You'd normally have six backdrop and costume changes. Um, it's really a fun, playful day that is not about documenting the, the truth of the day.
1: Excellent but documenting the love felt, the life uh, to be shared. All right, we're we're going to take a short break. We are talking to China Love director Olivia Martin-McGuire, and uh, China Love makes its U.S. premiere on November 9th, 2018 at 7.45 p.m. Eastern Time as part of Doc NYC. So stay with us. We'll be right back. There's a lot more to cover. And now enjoy watchfire music featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing beautiful from her new CD Sunday morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song.
2: Sing unto the Lord.
1: to the Reasonable Voices talk news radio program. My guest today, director Olivia Martin-McGuire. Olivia is an Australian documentary photographer based in Shanghai. And we've been having an amazing conversation about her film, China Love, which I was extremely moved by. Most of all, what I think film can and should do, Olivia has done in China Love, which premieres, by the way, its U.S. premiere November 9th. But what I am most moved by is the love, the emotion, the love, and how the China industry of preempting wedding photos. How about that? And her film about wedding, family, and pre wedding photos form a connecting spider web with humankind. I think someone said that in your film. What, what do you think about that statement?
0: Okay. Well, I think the main the most important thing for me when I was making the film was just to create some way of forming empathy around the way we judge China and Mm. Chinese people yes so you can see you know there is sort of if you take some of the stories out and you look at the final product you might see a mother who's being really uh, intense with her daughter and being really demanding and then there's a you know self-made billionaire and there's all these sort of things that happen in China all the time. But if you just look at the whole picture and look at where they're coming from, then it is more emotional because you see the whole picture, which I think we often don't see in the media. You know we sort of have these quick grabs about China and it's uh, I think they're often really um, heavily judged without a holistic of
1: point of view of where that come from yes i just find it unfortunate when anyone any nation any profession chooses to limit the the truth the definition of another culture i think to make themselves look better i think that's so sad but china is a land of mystery but the mystery is primarily i think because we haven't really dug as deeply as you have as china love your film does to have insights through your film China Love into their struggle and their happiness and their conflicts and their overcoming obstacles, all of that is what I think is the beautiful message of your film China Love. Another thing, color, the colorful attire, colorful clothing, that's kind of a new thing, yes?
0: Absolutely. I mean, um, the... The many people that we interviewed who were married during the Cultural Revolution or who lived through the Cultural Revolution explained that um, it was completely forbidden to wear anything but the one colour. That's mm. everyone wearing sort of like a grey, blue colour. It was also kind of looked down upon to be even naturally beautiful. You just, you, you weren't meant to be different from anyone else. Um, or that was seen as capitalist. That was seen as You know, the individual needs and wants were seen as um, looked down upon. And if you did wear a patterned top, or if you did try and curl your hair or put your hair up, you could be publicly, you know, humiliated. So now it's sort of swung in the other direction and you really see it. You can see it when you read the news, you can see how things have swung in the other direction, but you really see it in these photos in a beautiful way mm. where you can you can dress up and be a queen, you can dress, you know, you can be a princess for a day, you can wear a crown, you can wear six different outfits and, and it is more colorful and it is, anything's possible.
1: Tell us about the shoot where the bride wanted, uh, made it very clear to her gr- wannabe groom that she wanted photographs, uh, wedding photographs before the wedding underwater because yeah that's,
0: that is quite a i mean look the pre wedding photos no joke they're super important something that is popular is underwater photographs because they i guess they offer this ultimate sort of fantasy and it's very romantic mm. but the funny thing is it's the actual shoot is you know Generally, pretty fraught and a bit crazy. A lot of Chinese people can't swim, um, and it's really hard to keep your eyes open underwater all the time, you know, and be able to be in graceful poses because you're buoyant. So, it's quite a fun shoot that one watching how they manage to, you know, be graceful underwater
1: in full wedding attire as well. You know, we are talking, understandably, because of China Love, about pre-wedding wedding pictures, but we should also mention that the ritual of marriage has been a major of major importance to the Chinese culture and Chinese society. While it is being treated very differently now, it was always more than a, an event of one day. Tell us. Yeah, I mean, the,
0: the actual wedding is still generally quite traditional in, in China. Mm-hmm. The, these wedding photos are very new, they're from the New World after um, China opened up to the world, and the photos are very much about the individual, but the wedding is really still about the family. It's about your parents, it's about honoring your grandparents, you know. You do several sort of ceremonies where you, you really just quietly honor your family. And that takes up a lot of the day. Um, And it really is for family and for community that day. Mm -hmm. There's several things. But, yeah, and it's it's big. I mean, we we went to a very traditional wedding where you you often start out the bride's house and the grooms have to sort of bash down the door or find a way to get through the door. And the family tries to stop them. And you've got to put packets of money through the door and find ways to get in. Um, and I think it's really because when you take, when you marry um, a woman in China, the woman really leaves her family and aligns herself with the man's family. That you know that's the reality of what sort of happens. And then you would be looking after your in laws, but mm. the men look after their families. And yeah, yes. So, so yeah.
1: is that does that happen for the groom as well? Does he take on his in laws? Is no, that...
0: the men stick with their, their own parents, and it's the, the woman who moves moves into the parents. So that's what shows, yeah.
2: Think... there is
0: some grief that happens around the women, the girls leaving leaving the family as well.
1: To see how the young people who are who are growing up in a very different world in China still have such respect for their elders their parents their in-laws their grandparents that they want them to be a part of these pre-wedding photos that really exercise great personal freedom that has not been uh, uh, consistent with chinese history what do you think
0: yeah i mean the pre-wedding photos that you know we have the owner in the film who at one point said to me she wasn't sure She wasn't sure if she personally wanted to get those photos, and she said that her mother basically said to her, "You have to get these photos. You have to get these photos for me, Mm. because I never really got the chance. And you have to get them for your grandmother, who definitely never got the chance to ever do anything like this. And you have to be super beautiful for all these generations of women who never got that chance. And you need to be, you know, get a great, fantastical set. And you know, these photos that sort of offer up this hope and this." these new
1: possibilities in this new world yes well that message certainly rings true I wonder as we hear so much in America about a wall um, the great wall of China and still a great tourist attraction Mm. but when you wall yourself in then development or at least contact with the outer world is somewhat limited yes of course I
0: guess you know there's a Obviously, living there, there's a lot of censorship. You know, you can't get on the internet so easily. You can't sort of email as freely or get on Instagram. But I suppose they're trying very hard to preserve their traditions. And I guess we see that in someone like the owner, who is a young woman. And really, the feedback I had from this film, the main feedback I had was young uh, Chinese women coming to me and saying how much they relate to her story. Yes, because um, there is a strong respect for the tradition of China, and not wanting to jump too quickly into these sort of Western ideas of individualism. That um, there is a real uh, need for a lot of the things, to, a lot of the decisions and actions in China to be more about the group. The community, the family, Mm. before the self. So I think it's a bit of a, it's very complicated. There's different ways of looking at it for sure from many different angles. But um, for sure it is still very censored and there is still very strong control around preserving the traditions and and, and, if, and you do see it in the young people and then sort of being caught between wanting to go forward into the new world wanting to go into this individualism from the West but also not wanting to leave the, the tradition too much either exactly um, yeah
1: one of your leading ladies she and her mother are part of that uh, that arc trying to somehow bridge the two worlds, she very much is um, loves her mother, uh, trusts her mother, um, uh, is respectful of her mother. And at the same time, her mother's imposing a tradition and the daughter trying to respect that and at the same time live her own individual life, it is a razor's edge, yes?
0: It is, and I think it's something that um, it's, we don't often realize in the West. We don't, we don't, we you know because we sort of have this idea that the West is sort of the first world
2: and mm.
0: we often don't realize that these traditions are, um, you know, they're loved and they're yes. important. And yes. there is, there, there is not, it's kind of about having, finding a balance between the both of these things.
1: You know, my my, again, my wife is Chinese American and I'm, of course, Italian and. Um, she reminds me more than often than, than I like that uh, it's the Chinese that created the the noodles and the pasta that I uh, love so much, not the Italians. But mm. I'll get letters for that. But at any rate, uh, but we we owe. Yeah. I just think we owe so much, as China love proves. China love directed by our guest today, directed and produced by Olivia Martin McGuire, proves that there is much more, and it's such a cliche, there's more that unites us than divides us. We use that a lot in American politics, but the truth is, it is a marriage of traditions and multicultural histories and how they all contribute to the whole human experience. Tell us, how you feel about that, Olivia, if you agree with me, but also take us out on what you want us to take from your film, uh, China Love, that is about to have its U.S. premiere on November 9th.
0: Yeah, so I, I, for me, the most important thing in the way the story was told was just to give a holistic point of view, which is different from a lot of other stories that we hear around China. Um, and trying to have a more empathetic, more human, humanistic point of view of China, just to see it from, you know, just to think about it from another perspective, really. That's the main thing. Is just sort of creating that way of looking at a, a country that is judged a lot, for sure. Mm. And just sort of creating a bit of empathy around, oh, well, yeah, this happens, that happens, that happens, but, oh, maybe that's why. And, oh, you know, that rather than the, the quick, short judgments that we're sort of encouraged to do in our society, really, through mm-hmm. the media, it's just a humanitarian film. Yes. So that's my, that would be my main thing, is just to create a bit of, you know, people just to think, you know, think about it a bit, in a different
1: way yes and
0: China in a slightly different light
1: exactly and you know change comes in small ways Uh, there's so much uh, China is accelerating its progress but it still comes down to I think that love between human beings and how that has been a transition via the uh, pre-wedding photos that allows people who weren't allowed to dream out loud to now have those dreams recorded i'll tell you one of the most poignant moments for me is when i saw a young chinese woman i don't know if she was a daughter or a volunteer with the charities but when she wept as did i watching her, because the the older couples were getting these wedding pictures now colorful years after they were married. And were very, very much involved and able to express their love. Uh, I can't thank you enough, Olivia, not only for being our guest, but for making China love, premiering November 9th. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Marcelo. Yeah. Come along. Yes. Everyone, check it out.
1: Exactly. Look
0: NYC Friday night.
1: And where else can we go to find out more about China love even before its premiere?
0: you can go to the website chinalovefilm.com mm-hmm. and there's quite an active facebook group China love Film and there'll be other film festivals that are coming up and then there'll be other ways of seeing it online. which're just not quite there yet cause we're still um, it's only just that have been released so. The best way to find out is
1: through the ChinaLoveFilm.com or through the Facebook page. Excellent. And we have been talking about China Love, the film to premiere in the United States of America on November 9th, 2018 at 7.45 p.m. Eastern Time as part of Doc NYC, directed and produced by Olivia Martin McGuire, our guest today. Olivia, we certainly wish you all the very best. It has been an absolute joy to see your work and to have the opportunity to uh, listen to you tell us all about it. Thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. Bye.
1: And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Australian director Bruce Beresford has been a well-respected director since his 1980 breakthrough film, Break-O-Morant. With such Oscar-recognized films as Driving Miss Daisy and Tender Mercies to his credit, it should come as no surprise that he is a master of manipulated emotion. Mao's last dancer tells the true story of Li Kunsen, plucked as a child from farm life in rural China to become a state-trained ballet dancer. Li was a part of Mao Zedong's plan to develop great athletes and artists who could demonstrate to the world the triumph of Chinese communism. He is ultimately chosen by the state to travel to America, representing the superiority of his homeland. Lee interns with the Houston Ballet Theatre and becomes a star, when he decides to defect and remain in America, a potentially embarrassing major international incident looms. It's tempting to write off this film as jingoist propaganda and a manipulative tearjerker, but it is also a story well told, with great beauty in the dance and a basis in historical fact. Yes, Mao's Last Dancer is touching and magnificent entertainment. Tears do flow, and that's just fine with us. Indie Film Minute. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Our voting choice. An America built on solid rock or republican sand why are so many of the americans whose candidates won in 2016 so angry why aren't they happy with themselves their vote and the result of their electoral college victory Why, in the land of the free, do fewer than half of America's eligible voters pass on the privilege? Why do we prefer expedient indifference and over-consumerism more than civic duty and good citizenship? Why are we shocked by the darkness enveloping us when we're increasingly riveted to the revile residue of political hacks and packs? Why are some likely voters mesmerized by negative ads, puppeteering on programmed devices, attempting to whitewash America's of, by, and for the people national creed into blinded faith, devouring separatism of supreme being and supreme court?" Why are the closed-minded so open to closed borders, inheriting the wind of their master's voice trumpeting red glare to remaster, we hold these truths to be self-evident? To the truth will set you free, patriots. Voting is not only our nationalistic contract to preserve, protect, and defend our U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic— But each election is ice-cold water in our glazed-over memories of why every struggle for a perfect union has been engaged in a great civil war. While rallying to rile up the base of opposing points of view clearly defines the great divide media and pollsters say we the people have chosen to become, we're aiding and abetting the resurfacing of our most detrimental historical battle lines hate and fear of changing evolution versus our rainbow of colors revolution the former favoring stagnating american progress with the darkness of tiki torch parades and the latter stumbling imperfectly forward until november twenty sixteen at our best Voting unites our First Amendment freedoms with freedom of choice and free will to recharge our acumen to ascertain who are the false prophets preaching fear and loathing, and who our better angels. Caravan repudiation is as old as no room in the Catuluma, and as revolutionary as Plymouth Pilgrims versus Native Americans over who delivered Thanksgiving dinner. Both parties and candidates insist elections are won by polls and preemptive digital data of demographics, but voting is more individual soliloquy, sanctified by reverence for America's idealistic raison d'etre, with malice toward none, diminishing the number of supremacist boots on the neck of American enlightenment. However, If reason succumbs to blind obedience and reasonable debate yields to the incivility of right-wing theocracy, independent thinking will be in a me-first ecclesiocracy chokehold. What exactly is it we wish to inspire with our vote? Is it factual climate change science or denial of affordable mental and physical health care? Is it gender equality and income parity or raping me to targets all over again? Are we voting to honor American veterans or to spend 200 million tax dollars to threaten families emulating our European ancestors? Will our 22 elections reflect our wannabe shining city upon a hill or the racist abuse of presidential power? Do we elect to vote in resounding support of a Google Times Up walkout or a Groper-in-Chief? Will record-breaking voter turnout recapture the essence of our Statue of Liberty global promise or fuel ever-increasing cultural tensions distracting America from what's most dear to our pursuit of happiness? The safety of school bus children, fourth-grade Girl Scouts, and jailed refugee children. Will we vote for the golden rule or salute and shoot asylum seekers armed only with the children and the clothes on their backs? Jaywalking showed us a lack of civics education limited our ability to vote to defend America from Goliath's weaving tangled webs to deceive us with a fifth-grade kiss strategy. Our Civil War proved Benjamin Franklin's challenge, if you can keep it, could yet result in an America of alternative facts. America's short-term solution, vote for Democrats in midterm elections, and make America like children again. Then discover what American exceptionalism really is, because it isn't GOP dishonesty. Walter Cronkite, that's the way it is. Voting is as private as one's sense of self and as personal as our definition of character. The only penance for our 2016 Russian Electoral College tally is to reverse it in the ballot box, Tuesday, 6 November 2018, following the example of America's first. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.